Father, thank you, God, for setting us free. God, you give us the freedom that we don't deserve. God, what I know is that people do live in fear. God, that they are slaves to fear. And a lot of that is because they don't know where they're going to spend eternity. They're confused in a lot of ways. Maybe about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe what it means to, uh, to have eternal life through Him. God, maybe they're confused about who Jesus was. Or maybe they're confused about what Jesus said. God, a lot of that, Lord, can be cleared up through your Holy Spirit, God. But it requires us to respond in obedience to you when you call God, when we say yes, God, then suddenly things start to change in us, that we begin to get a a whole new clarity, a whole new perspective, and the fear is gone because we can see things that we could not see before, and that is a result of the work of your Holy Spirit in us. And God, even that in itself can be confusing to hear at times, but Lord, the truth is it's all about surrender. It's all about saying yes to you. And through that, God, we receive the freedom that you offer. God, it's a free gift of freedom. And Lord, it requires us to say yes to you. And it costs us everything. It costs us our entire lives, God, if we say yes to you. We're saying yes to everything that you call us to. God, we, we, we lay down the fear. We lay down the shame. We lay down the hurt. And we say, God, it all belongs to you. God, you have it. God, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. And God, it is, it is through that power, God, that we can be set free. So Lord, help somebody understand that. Help them to see that clearly. Help them to, to know that they just need to surrender fully to you. And God, that they too can be set free. That they don't have to lay in their bed at night with their hearts full of fear. God, we love you and we thank you so much for this time. May you be honored and glorified through the preaching and teaching of your word. In Jesus' holy, precious name, I do pray. Amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a, a new series uh, past, well, two weeks now. This is the second week. Uh, uh, we called it Yours Truly. And this is a, a, a signature that you see at, a lot of t- uh, at the bottom of a letter a lot of times. And I, I like to take things that we see in, in the world and, and use those to trigger maybe a thought that will happen when you see it. And, and maybe you will think about the words yours truly when you see them and think about your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God. Are you truly his? Do you truly belong to him? Do you truly have a relationship with him? Now, our, our students have been studying all week long. I mean, they had like, they had a worship service on Friday night, a worship service on Saturday morning, a worship service last night, then they're having a worship service this morning. Uh, they've been talking about uh, this weekend, they've been talking about who Jesus is and fixing their eyes on Jesus, and with a particular emphasis on seeing the right Jesus, understanding who Jesus really is, and fixing their eyes on that Jesus. Well, I want us this morning, students, I want us to think about the relationship. I want us to really think about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. We say that a lot, don't we? You hear that all the time. Well, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then you're going to heaven one day, right? If you have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus will change your life. 
well, what is relationship? People are like, well, is it supposed to be like a, 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 a parent-child relationship? That's one kind of relationship, right? Is it supposed to be like that where you just like do whatever he says because he's your father and he loves you and cares for you and you're supposed to have that kind of relationship for, with him? He's supposed to be like your daddy? Or is he supposed to be your friend? Because friendship relationships are a little different, right? You don't do everything your friend says, do you? Well, I hope not. Your mom and daddy's had that conversation with you, hadn't they? If your friend jumps off a bridge, you know what's coming next, right? I don't have to tell you the rest of it. You're going to jump off a bridge too? Yeah, hopefully you're not doing everything that your friend says. But in your mind, you're like, well, I'm a friend of God, but he's my daddy. What is this like? And the Bible also says that he's like a husband to the church, right? So is it a husband-wife relationship? Is it a friend relationship? Is it a, a daddy-child relationship? What's the relationship like? What's it supposed to be like? It's confusing, right? I mean, it really could be confusing if you think about it. I mean, it's great to get your eyes fixed on Jesus, and it's really great to, to pursue Jesus, and you want to have a relationship with him. Well, what's the relationship supposed to look like? You know, all right? So I start smiling when I'm about to say something. And I'm like, yeah, I was there one day. You know, there was a time. It wasn't too awful long ago, but I was a teenager. I mean, I know it was like decades and decades ago and all that, but still, there was a time when I was a teenager, right? And, and I did the whole dating thing, too. Uh, and, and let me tell you, you do. <laughs> Guys, good grief, man. I need to talk to my boys for just a minute. <laughs> Guys, look. I know it's tough. The struggle is real, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really real, okay? I know, I know. Zach, you're sitting over there beside your girlfriend, so I know it's really real, isn't it? Yeah, but I feel you, brother. Yeah, I got you. Guys, we do some crazy stuff, right? We do some really, really crazy stuff when it comes to, to girls being around, right? Why is it? All right, I have to ask this question. Maybe you can give me an answer after the message. But why is it that we, you know, we try so hard, especially when we're a teenage boy. We try so hard. And we look so dumb. I mean, like, why is that? I mean, like, you would think if we're putting all of our effort into something, if we're really, really trying hard, you know, like, like, this is all the brain power I can muster, and it's, it's focused towards a chick. You know, you would think somehow I would be able to muster enough brain shells, cells to chain themselves together, and we'd be able to do something smart, right? But we can't for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. We do stupid stuff when we're in love, don't we? And, and, and you know what I'm talking about, like, we talked about this weekend, you know, you heard, heard Stuart say that, you know, you get your eyes fixated on something and that's where your focus is and that's all you can think about, right? You ever been in that place where the, the girl, she's like three rows in front of you in class and like, you, you can't even see nothing, but like the, shit, the back of her hair and you're like, man, that is the prettiest backside of someone's head that I've ever seen. Look at her ears. I can almost see her ears through her hair. If she turns just a little bit, she turns just a little, I'd be able to get just a little glimpse of a cheek. Oh, please, just turn just a little bit. You know what I mean? Talking about being fixated on something. Don't act like you've never been there. 
Stop giving me that pious look like, I don't know what he's talking about. I've never been like that. I just sit there and study and praise Jesus and read my Bible when I have free time in class. Kenny, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't lie to me. I know better than that. Why is it, man, when we get, we get in love, we do some crazy stuff? I mean, we can't even think straight, right? Why is, why is, it, why is it that way with Jesus? Why is our love for Jesus so crazy that we're willing to do whatever it takes in that relationship, right? Like to grow that relationship, to get close to Jesus. Because as guys, I know especially, I, I can speak to you guys because I was one of them, you know, like I was a teenage boy at one point in time, but you do some crazy stuff to get close to a girl. But, you know, if this relationship with Jesus is really the way it's supposed to be, shouldn't we, we we'd be willing to do some crazy stuff to get close to Jesus? Jimmy, we're willing to be able to, to, to like, you know, if we're really fixated on Jesus, and we've been talking about this, this, that this weekend, shouldn't we really be doing some crazy stuff in order to be able to get close to Jesus? Now, I'm not talking about you got to go and put an I Heart Jesus sticker on the inside of your locker or anything like that, but I'm talking about, like, could it not be that, that you could actually talk about Jesus sometime? I mean, could it not be that, that when that... Awkward discussion, this is guys and girls, an awkward discussion comes up at lunch and you know, you know that that's the time where you could interject Jesus into the conversation, but you're so scared to. You're so scared to. And adults, adults it's worse, by the way. Uh, it, it's actually easier for them than it is for adults because adults at the, at the lunch table in the break room, having that conversation about Jesus... Y'all feel awkward on a whole new level, so much so you think, well, man, they're going to call an HR violation on me, and I'm going to have to lose my job, and all this kind of garbage, and all, which I found out that's not really true most of the time. There's very, I talk about Jesus all the time in my job, and very rarely has anybody ever called me out on it and said, hey, you can't be talking about that around here. It is a very rare exception when somebody will actually take you and report you for talking about Jesus. Very, very rare. And for me, personally, I'm willing to do some crazy stuff and talking about Jesus at the lunch table, and I'm willing to take that risk because I, I, I really do belong to him. I, he's, he's truly mine, and I'm truly his, and, and if that's the case, I'm willing to do some crazy stuff to develop that relationship with him. And it's so much so that... that that like, I even want other people to have a relationship with him. This is a little bit different than the relationships you go into in high school. You don't want anybody else to have that relationship. You're like, I want her to be mine. You know what I mean? Like, like she is mine, and you touch her, you look at her, I'm going to wring your neck. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but with Jesus, though, when you love him that much, and you, you have this crazy love. I, I know Francis Chan coined that term, but when you have this crazy love for Jesus, you want other people to experience that because you know he has this great capacity for love, and he can share that with other people. That it's not just for you. When you see it, and you get your hands on it, and you're like, this is way better than a parent-child relationship. This is way better than any husband-wife relationship. This is way better than any kind of thing that I've ever seen. You should experience that too. I want you to see what I see and know what I know. Man, I want you to know how great this relationship can be. I want, I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about a guy named Peter. And he had the DTR with Jesus. 
Everybody know what a DTR is? Everybody's like, what do you say? That's like old school. Kenny, you're like a thousand years old. Why are you talking about a DTR? Some of the older parents are going, I know what a DTR is. Define the relationship. The define the relationship conversation. This is when things start to get serious. You're not just talking anymore. You got to like figure out, are we talking or are we talking, talking? You know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's a difference, you know? Like it's, it's beyond just, we, we just, you know, Snapchat, we, we actually having a conversation sort of, you know, it's not really a conversation, but you are, you're texting each other to having to define the relationship conversation, right? Guys, when it comes to, to marriage and being engaged one day, I know this freaks you out, right? You're going to have to talk to her. When, when you ask her, you can't do it via text message. Kylie, if Keith would have asked you by, via text message, will you marry me, yes or no? <laughs> Kylie, I know you. I love you. I know what your answer would have been. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. Guys, you're going to have to talk to them, by the way. You're going to have to talk to them. You're going to have to have that define the relationship conversation and say, well, where do we stand? What I want to encourage you to do today as you listen to this story about a guy named Peter, I want you to have that define the relationship conversation with Jesus. I hope that maybe what you'll do through the course of this weekend is you'll look and see Jesus for who he really is, and then you'll really have that define the relationship conversation with Jesus about where do I stand with you? Do I really have real love with you, or do I just know who you are? Am I truly yours or I just know who you are? And hopefully this will spill over into some of the adults and you guys will pick up on this too because a lot of you need to have the define the relationship conversation with Jesus too. But you're afraid to because you're old and you think that I can't get baptized. I can't come down here and say that I'm not really a Christian and I need to really surrender my heart and life to Jesus Christ because I never have before. And it's really scary, Kenny, and please don't ask me to do that. Please don't ask me to announce it publicly. That's exactly what Jesus calls you to do, by the way. Uh, you can't just say, I'm a Christian, and say, well, I'm going to just keep it quiet. It doesn't really work that way. If you're a Christian, then you can't do that, as a matter of fact. It, that would be as crazy as me having a relationship with my wife, being married to my wife, and nobody ever know it. Right? Uh, they, they, <laughs> they don't know that I'm, I'm married to my wife. That would be ridiculous, right? The same thing with Jesus. If you're not willing to proclaim it publicly, what does that say about the relationship? What, what does that say about it? If there's no evidence of it, you're not willing to proclaim it publicly, what is, that, is, that, is that a real relationship? Am I really married if I keep it quiet, keep it to myself, and nobody ever knows? Some of you need to have the define the relationship conversation with Jesus today. We're going to talk about a guy named Peter. Peter was kind of a dumb guy. So I can really identify with Peter in a lot of ways. Uh, whenever I'm struggling with, with who I am and the fact that I'm a doofus and all that kind of stuff, I go and read about Peter and I go, this dude's in the Bible, man. <laughs> if I'd have lived back in that day, I could have been a doofus too. And I, maybe I would have made my way in there somewhere, you know. But Peter was, he was always like the first one to speak up. Does anybody know that person? The first person to speak up in every conversation. I got something to say. I want to be the person. I want to be the person. That, have you ever noticed that the first person to speak up usually doesn't have good information to share? You ever notice that? Why is that? Why is it the first person to speak, you're always like, man, you should have been quiet. 
You know what I mean? Like, you should have just kept it on the DL, and, and then we could have processed the thought, man. Process it. You know, let it, let it settle in here before you start spouting it out there. It just comes out. Well, Peter was that guy. He was a, whoop, it just came out all the time. And he said a lot of dumb things. Uh, there, there was quite a few times. See, his name was actually Simon. And when Jesus met him, he started calling him Peter. He started calling him the rock. Now, Simon was kind of an all-over-the-page kind of guy. He, he was the ADHD guy, probably. I mean, so he'd have been like, yes, Jesus, I hear what you say. I'm supposed to eat your flesh and drink your blood. Oh, look, a squirrel. You know, like, I mean, that would have been Peter. He was all over the board, really flighty, and, and you know, couldn't really concentrate on anything for a period of time, very long, you know. He'd have been like, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to do this. Some of you women have husbands like this. I'm going to start on this project over here. No, wait, i got to go. There's another project over here I need to start. And I almost got this one finished. Let's go back over here to this one. No, I need another start. There's another project over here I need to get started. That would have been Peter, okay. Most of you ladies could not have been married to Peter. You would have strangled him, you know what I mean? Like he never would have made it into the Bible because you'd have had him like this. So anyway, so Peter was that guy. He's kind of all over the board, right? So Jesus meets him, and what does he do? He changes his name, right? He says, instead of calling you Simon, I'm going to call you Peter. Why did he do that? He says, well, you're going to be a different man now. Now that you're following me, your name's going to be The Rock. You're going to be steadfast. You're going to be strong. You're going to be unmovable. You are going to be the rock. And that's what we're going to start calling you. Instead of calling you Simon, we're going to call you rock. Everybody's like, man, that's a name right there. Don't you wish Jesus would call you the rock? I'd be like, you smell what the rock is cooking, don't you, baby? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. That's the son of God. He just called me the rock. Yeah. Problem is, here's the problem with Jesus giving you a nickname and Jesus you know how he would rebuke him, how he would get on his case a little bit? He'd start saying, he'd call him Simon. He'd say, oh, you're not acting like the rock anymore. You're acting like Simon. Simon, quit doing that. Simon, quit saying that. Simon, what, what are you talking about? And immediately Simon knew, I'm no longer the rock anymore. I'm acting more like Simon, not the guy who's following Jesus. Not acting like the rock anymore. He was so upfront about his trust in Jesus. There would be times when there would be tons of people following Jesus, and, and they would just they would follow Jesus because he would do some cool stuff. Like he might take five loaves and two fishes and, and feed like a whole stadium full of people. Like folks wanted to see that because it was really cool. They wanted to experience that, man. And, and you see that all the time. We probably even saw some of that at D-Now Weekend, right? So you realize there were probably some people, there were a thousand people in that room, and some of them were just there for the show. You know that, right? Like some of them just came because their friends came, and they got a good show, and there were cool lights, and, and there was a guy that could rap, and that's the reason they were there. Some of them came for Jesus, and some of them came for the show and ended up with Jesus, but some of them just ended up with the show. You realize that. Well, because that was the way it was. When people followed Jesus, most of the people just came for the show. There was only a few. As a matter of fact, there's one particular time where Jesus said, you know what, the only reason that you're following me around is because you want your bellies full again today. Yesterday, I fed your bellies. I had five loaves and two fishes, and we multiplied it, and we filled you up, and you wanted to see that trick, so you came back today. And that's the only reason you're here. And you know what happened as soon as Jesus said that? A lot of people said, 
huh, I'm out on this. A little too much truth for me. I don't think I really want that kind of truth. I think I'll just split now. The show's over. And you see that. You see that all the time with teenagers, right? Oh, yeah, adults. Yeah, you get a pass on this one. You don't see that, do you? You don't see anybody that just goes for the show. You don't see anybody that just goes for all the flash and all the pomp and the circumstance. And then you start talking about a real relationship with Jesus. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's me, man. I'm, I'm all in on Jesus. He called me to, uh, to, to sacrifice everything and follow him and take up my cross. And, yeah, I'm all in, even if it means I'm going to die. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You ask somebody to talk about Jesus at the lunch table. Like, I can't do that, man. I can't, I can't do that. Kenny, you're crazy. You want me to break out my Bible right there on my lunch break or at my desk, and you actually want me to read about Jesus. You have got to be out of your mind. Yeah. 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 You don't, you don't see many people with that superficial kind of love for Jesus at all, do you? People that just are there for the show but don't really have a real relationship. You don't see that as an adult, do you? Yeah, right. I know you do just as much as you do with these teenagers. Just there for the show. It looks a little different for them, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. All these people are sitting around, and they're... Jesus is uh, talking about, you know, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they're like, man, I'm out on this dude. He's not going to feed us. He, he's, he's talking about some crazy stuff now. I'm out on this. So they're sitting around. Everybody's left, and the disciples are sitting there, and he goes, Jesus looks at them. There's 12 of them because, you know... <laughs> 25,000 people walked away, and now there's 12 of them left. And Jesus looks at him, he says, you going to go too? You going to leave me too? Kind of sort of having to define the relationship conversation a little bit right there with him on the spot. So you gone too? Have you had enough too? Is this a little bit too much truth for you too? Is this a little bit too much over the edge for you? And you're like, I can't take this, Jesus. What you're teaching is too hard. I'm out on this. I don't want this. And he goes... To the twelve, are you going to leave too? Now, who's the first guy that's going to speak up? Peter. Peter. Now, it just so happens that this time, Peter says the right thing, I think. He, he, like, I think he gives a good answer. He didn't always give bad answers, but this particular time, he actually gave a good answer. And he said, well, where else are we going to go? To whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You're the son of God. You're the one sent by God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that God sent. Where else are we going to go, man? What was Peter saying there? He was saying nothing else matters. Nothing. Nothing else matters. Only our relationship with you, Jesus. No matter how crazy it might sound or look to everybody else, all that matters is you. What about your relationship with Jesus? Does it look like that? Does it look like that where you say, you know what, no matter what anybody else says or how it looks, all that matters is you, Jesus. All that matters is you. So Jesus, time goes on. Peter's there when, when Jairus' daughter is raised from the dead. Uh, he's there on the Mount of Transfiguration where, where Jesus kind of unlifts the veil and he's there talking with Moses and Elijah and they're up on, up on the mountain and they're having a conversation. And Peter's the one that goes, hey, I got an idea. Let's stay here. Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and they're all having a conversation. We'll build a little house for the three of y'all, and we'll just stay here. We'll worship y'all. 
I mean, Peter's there for all that. I talked to you a little bit about this when we were talking about prayer, and I talked about John being there for this. Well, Peter's even got a little bit closer relationship, too, with Jesus, and, and, and he's there for this Mount of Transfiguration event, too. And Peter starts talking, you know, <laughs> and, and, and they're, they're, everybody's like, all right, just ignore Peter. I know that he thinks he's got it together, and I know that he thinks that we need to just stay here, but there's a bigger plan, and we got that, and Peter's just being Peter. Just ignore that, okay? Well, what happens? Time goes on, and Jesus gets ready to meet with his, his best friends, these 12, and he's, he says, we got to go and prepare the Passover meal, and they go and they get everything ready, and this is what we know as the Last Supper. This is what we know as... It's the last time these 12 are going to be with Jesus. They're going to be with their friend for the very last time. And Jesus is telling them that he's got to go away. He's telling them he's got to leave them. And he starts hitting around to the fact that he's got to be killed. He's got to be crucified. And you know what? Peter, he's the first one to speak up. You know what he says? Let it not be so. Jesus, No. This can't be the case. There's no way that you're going to die. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. He even says so much. He said, I don't care if the other ones go away. I don't care if they disappear, fade into the background. I won't leave you. I'll be right beside you. I'll be right there. I'll be right beside you. And if they're going to kill somebody, they're going to kill me and not you, Jesus. Let it not be so. And Jesus looks at him, looks at Peter, looks at the rock, and looks him right in the eyes and said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, is what he says to him. Can you imagine this person that you had a relationship with, close relationship with, you know he's the one that has the words of eternal life. You know he's the one who is the Son of God, the Messiah, the one sent by God. And he looks at you and says, you are Satan. The words that are coming out of your mouth are straight from the pits of hell. I cannot imagine what that would feel like. And what was Jesus saying? Now, Peter may not have understood everything that Jesus was saying, but, Peter, but Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, it's God's will that I go to the cross. It's my Father's will that I go to the cross. And anything that prevents me from doing that would be straight from hell. He says, i got to go to the cross. And Peter says, no, it doesn't matter, man. I'll be right beside you. And Jesus says, come on, let's go and let's pray. And he goes to the garden to pray. And I talked about this a few weeks ago where he's praying so much so that blood is just pouring out of his, out of his brow because he's sweating and, and his, his struggle is so intense that, that blood's coming out of his pores. He's praying that hard. He's praying that hard. And you know what his buddies are doing? His three closest ones, they're asleep. They're asleep. Peter's asleep. They're all asleep. He goes and wakes him up, says, come on, you know, we got to wake up, we got to pray. Pray with me, man, it's important that you pray with me. They fall back asleep. And finally, they come to arrest Jesus. And Peter, he's going to be the first one to do something, right? So Peter does the whole Assassin's Creed, comes out with a sword and like cuts the dude's ear off saying, you're not going to take Jesus. And Jesus says, Peter, this is not the way. Think about that, too. Once again, Jesus is telling Peter, hey, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. This is not the way. And Peter must be thinking, man, do I do everything wrong? 
Is there something I can do right when it comes to, to, to following Jesus? Is there something I can really do that's going to be on the right side? It seems like everything I do is on the opposite side of where Jesus stands. What is up with that? Jesus. See, he had told Peter at that last supper, he said, I know that you think you're going to be beside me. I know that you think that you're going to be right there with me. He said, before, before tomorrow morning, before the rooster crows, is what he says. He says, you'll deny that you ever knew me three different times. You will be challenged of whether or not you were one of my disciples, and you will deny me three different times. You will deny me and say that you never knew me. And I'm sure Peter was just blown away by that statement. I'm sure he was. Peter's in the garden. He cuts off the dude's ear. Jesus puts it back on, heals the guy. What happens to Peter? We know this story. Happens just like Jesus said it would. People come up to, to Peter and say, hey, you're one of those Jesus followers. You're one of those guys that had a relationship with Jesus. You're one of those people we saw you with Jesus all the time. You were right there beside him all the time. And remember, he had just committed to Jesus. I'm going to be right there beside you no matter what. You know what Peter says? He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that guy. I'm not one of them. They said, no, 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 no. I know you. You're one of those Jesus followers. You're one of those people that, that is everywhere that Jesus goes. You're right there beside him. I know you, don't I? You talk like those people that follow Jesus. You got to be one of those guys, right? He's like, no. And even a little girl, even a little girl comes up to Peter and says, aren't you one of those Jesus followers? Aren't you one of those that used to hang out with Jesus? And even in front of a little girl, Peter goes, no, I'm not one of them. I don't know what you're talking about. You ever felt like that in your life, students, adults? Aren't you one of those Jesus followers? Aren't you at D-Now this past weekend? And I don't know what you're talking about. Didn't I see, you, didn't I see something on Instagram about you, you being at church? Well, yeah, I just go, but 